Hey friends, welcome to The Jill Monaco Show. I'm your host, Jill, and I'm so glad you're here. I'm a speaker, author, and life coach. Some weeks I share what God is teaching me, and other times I invite a friend to join me on the podcast and we chat about what it means to love God, love ourselves, and love others. Here we go. Welcome back to The Jill Monaco Show. If you've been listening to the show, following my blog, or know me at all, you know I love the word freedom for so many reasons. I call my coaching practice freedom coaching, and many of my programs are about being free to be who God made you to be. I truly believe when we know the love of God, we walk right into freedom in Christ. It's so much easier than we can imagine. So when I meet someone that has a similar passion, I'm like, how fast can we get you on the podcast? And that's exactly what happened when my literary agent told me to talk to Janet Newberry. Janet is a self-proclaimed love researcher, podcaster on the Love is Fearless podcast, author of the book Education by Design, Not Default, How Brave Love Creates Fearless Learning, and founder and visionary of John 15 Academy. She and her husband, Doug, packed it all up and now live in an airstream named Freedom. <laughs> and they have launched a Love is Fearless movement, which is committed to building cultures of love around the world. Could she be any more aligned with what Jill Monica Ministries stands for? These similarities and our passions don't end there, but you'll have to wait to hear all about it on today's podcast. Before I introduce you to my new freedom-loving friend, I want to tell you about a new audio teaching that you can get a hold of to help you on your freedom journey. Overcoming is a four-part audio teaching and coordinating workbook that helps you find freedom from rejection, fear, jealousy, and self-doubt. You'll be led through some coaching questions so you can be free to be joyful, walk in peace, and confidence. You can get it at jillmonaco.com slash overcoming. So that's on my website at jillmonaco.com slash overcoming. Well, speaking of being free from fear, Janet understands a life bound to fear. We talked today about how she came to recognize her fear-based convictions and trade them for love-based convictions. She shares what brave love looks like and how her book creates fearless learning. I know you'll be so inspired to show fear the door when you know love has a better invitation. Okay, well, let's get to my conversation with Janet. Janet, hey, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jill. It's an honor to be here. I'm so excited. I introduced you and, and said um, some things about freedom, you know, like you all your Airstream freedom. And I just love that so much. How did you it's, come up with that name? You know, we really asked some friends because living in an Airstream was a leap of faith for us. It's been an adventure in faith for us. And we were thinking about different names and so many people named their Airstream something to do with Airstream, like Riveted or um, or something like that. And we had a very good friend, longtime friend, who said, why don't you name it Freedom? Because this is your freedom adventure. And mm. it has been significant in more ways than we could have ever imagined. And I, it's really beautiful to think that 
everything I've learned, I've learned in freedom. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of how you've gotten free from so much stuff. Because, yes. Because you had to, what did you do? Did you like sell your stuff, put it in storage? Well, not so long before we started living in a 27 foot airstream, we lived in a 4,500 square foot house. And okay. so it was, it was a big change. And we, we gave away a great deal of things. We um, sold a great number of things. And we do have, a, we have probably 30% um, in a storage building thinking that it'll be used in a home again one day, but yeah. it has been very freeing indeed to not rely on the stuff mm -hmm. um, to give you an identity. But let me tell you that it's like hanging in thin air. Your, yeah. your faith gets strengthened. It really does. I remember when I put everything in storage so that I could travel across the country and go wherever God told me to go. And I just had my SUV and I stayed with friends, so I didn't sleep in my car. But it was super freeing to get rid of stuff. But then there's some stuff I missed too. Like, I don't know about you, but like I missed having people over. You know, that's and, what we miss the most. We have yeah. a beautiful, big restoration hardware table um, <laughs> in storage that we want a home again one day so that we can have friends over and family over to share a meal and sit at the table. Yeah, yeah we miss that, too. And yeah. part of our platform has prior right. to this. But I, I think my true self is very adventurous. And I just didn't know that because I'd lived in fear for so long. I had let fear make my choices instead of let love and trust make my choices. And so yeah. I think it's something that I've learned in this journey is that um, fear um, influences us. Fear offers us different convictions than love does. And, and I often call myself the love researcher and what I've learned is I can't be a love researcher without being a freedom researcher because love always offers us freedom and freedom always um, offers us love. And yeah, I couldn't perfect have said, love casts out fear, right? It does. And both voices are going to be talking to you at the same time. Fear never comes to you without love standing right beside it. Love is always there for the choosing. But I didn't know that growing up. You know, I didn't yeah. know that um, in my background, even in my relationship with God, I was afraid of God. God was a God of fear for me in my religious upbringing. And it has been a beautiful uh, freedom journey the last 10 years to realize, no, he's a God of love and yeah. to begin to explore that. Yeah. You know, there's so many different parts of who you are and what you do. And I want the listeners to get an idea of some of the things that brought you to the place that you're at right now, like being on the Airstream and going across country and having this um, passion for um, bringing love to the world. So let's start with what do you, um, what tell us about your book and your academy and your consulting. Can you kind of shape for us what you actually do? Yes. Um, so not even a year ago, my first book came out. It's called Education by Design, Not Default, How Brave Love Creates Fearless Learning. 
And the book um, kind of was birthed out of my consulting work with families. Fam- um, I spent 20 years of my career in public education, mm-hmm. and I spent almost 10 years in private education. And um, really, my history personally as a student was mm-hmm. my way of wearing a good enough mask in my life. Mm. Because I um, was raised in a good home. I had good parents, but my dad um, was a Southern Baptist preacher and my mom struggled significantly with mental illness. And so um, I learned to walk on eggshells. I learned to um, make sure that that I performed well and hid mm. my issues and, you know, didn't talk about um, what was going wrong in my life. And And that caused a lot of chaos in my young adult life and really for a great season of my life. And but helping children perform at school came naturally for me Mm. and I could get students to pass tests as an administrator in public school. I knew how to hang the exemplary sign on the wall because I was a good performer. So I knew how to teach other people to perform. But when I left public school and and started working in private school and and, uh, began getting exposed to different philosophies and not only their effect on students, but their effect on my own life. Um, I began to see things happen differently in children's lives. Children who would have been labeled um, didn't get labeled. Children who would not have recovered from their disabilities. I saw some miracles in their lives and I wanted to know why. And so I began some consulting work. I did some Um, what I call private research, it was really just reading and working with children in different settings in private homes and in inner city programs and lots of different populations. And I studied, um, I studied the neurology of fear and love. Mm. I studied the, um, the American phenomenon that we have accepted called adolescence. Um, I studied the American education system and how did we get here in education and who is it working for and it's not working for the children. And I studied the gospel of grace as compared to um, religion. And my book is where all of those areas of study kind of come together because there is great hope. And when we build um, transformational relationships with children, when we help them when, there was, when our response to their struggle is love instead of anything less than love, instead of in manipulation or control or labeling, when our response to their struggle is love and they begin to trust us, our brains are um, designed to continue to mature and to untangle and to heal. And so that's the hope I share in my book. And it is the hope that we offer um, We have a 501c3 called John 15 Academy, which really has two projects going right now. Uh, One is an online uh, work that we do primarily with homeschool families, um, and it is to help them build schools without fear, how to offer education at home that's different than just um, school at home Um, and to help them bring their children up and learn to live life well, not just score well on a test. And then right. the other the other arm of our John 15 Academy, our 501c3, is our newest project called Love is Fearless, where we're helping build schools without fear and communities without fear and homes without fear and churches without fear, because we believe that we can build cultures of love around the world. Um, and we don't often 
even stop to think about that that's possible because we've lived in a culture of fear all our life. We think it's normal. Right. And, you know, you talk about um, being a love researcher and, you know, we've already said like perfect love casts out fear. What is the most exciting thing that you've discovered as you've researched love? It's a, it, it is pretty exciting. And the scripture is very clear um, about love. And I can go back to Genesis and talk about that. You know, I believe part of God's wisdom in saying, don't pick the good and evil, um, the knowledge of good and evil is because anytime we impose a standard, we're creating a culture of fear. We're creating mm-hmm. a culture of measuring up. And and really, God wants us to depend on him, not to depend on measuring up to a standard. And that is depending on his love. And so scripture is a beautiful place to, to look for how did God um, weave the foundation of love in scripture from the very beginning and certainly through the cross and the resurrection and the new life that we can have in Christ. But probably the most exciting thing that I've found is from my reading of Dr. Caroline Leaf's books, specifically, mm-hmm. there's a book called The Gift in You. And in chapter 13, it's called, it's the love and fear chapter. And she's a neuroscientist. And she talks about how um, oxytocin is the love hormone. And it gets released in our bodies in many different occasions, but specifically when we trust and bond and reach out to others, when we um, receive what we need from them and they receive uh, and they give to us what we need too, we get a rush of oxytocin in our system. And that is the fuel of maturity. It is Mm -hmm. what literally helps us grow up. it's what helps us heal. It what it's what continues to help our brains develop and all of our systems develop. It is a boost to our immune systems, so it keeps us well and helps us get well. And cortisol is the fear hormone, and it's meant for our good. It's meant to give us the energy we need um, to run away from danger or the strength we need to fight it off. But in our culture where we are performance obsessed and we are always required to measure up um, or be afraid that we're not, we live with a slow drip of cortisol in our system um, all the time. And it's literally causing brain damage. The first layer of brain damage in the system with a daily dose of cortisol is attention deficit disorders and learning disabilities. And the next layer is addictions and mental health issues. And finally, um, physical illnesses and immune system um, chaos and those kinds of things. But here's the beautiful thing is that oxytocin is stronger than cortisol and Mm. they can, they cannot exist in your system at the same time. Perfect love literally cast out fear. Science has proven it that oxytocin will override the immediate presence of cortisol, but it also repairs the damage that cortisol has done in our system. And therein there is there there is great hope. 
Wow. That's super powerful. I know that um, I teach on fear once in a while, and it's in uh, one of my audio teachings called Overcoming. And I love Dr. Caroline Leaf. She has taught me so much about how our brains work. And she also talks about how um, fear actually shows up in your brain on a scan, like it's a dark shadowed area. It is. It literally turns the front part of your brain off. You're left with just the the brainstem, the limbic system working, the fear um, control center working. And so when we think about children trying to learn in a a school that the culture is performance obsessed, the the culture is fear, whether Mm -hmm. it's um, personal childhood trauma, whether it's bullying, um, family issues, whatever, literally we're asking them to learn with that dark place in their brain, with their, that part of their brain unplugged at the moment because of fear. And so what my research and what my book tries to very practically lay out is how do we, how do we turn that part back on? How do we build relationships of trust? How do we connect um, in and love one another in ways that helps children um, stay plugged in, their brains continue to develop and, and even recover because um, we have, a huge epidemic of diagnosis these days of various kinds. And what's interesting is we will, we can celebrate and sell cancer free shirts in our society, but I want uh, John 15 Academy to be the first source of selling ADD free shirts and Mm -hmm. learning, learning disability free shirts, because when we give those diagnoses to children currently, there is no hope. That mm. that is a lifetime diagnosis for them. We don't ever talk about when I used to struggle from, right? right? These symptoms. We just address the symptoms in our current system, and and I say there is great hope. <laughs> right, and we put a label on a kid to say this is part that, of who you are instead that of never goes away. Yeah, instead of this is just something I struggled with because exactly. the chemicals in my brain were off, or I had a situation. And there was a part of my brain that wasn't finished developing yet. There was a part right. of my brain that was tangled up because of, of trauma or for whatever reason. But we don't ever give them the hope that it can continue to develop. And I mean, yet is a powerful word. I don't know how right. to read yet. I can't comprehend math yet. But if someone will help me instead of just evaluate and label me, there is right. great hope. Yeah. I actually, I'm going to use the word love, but I really love that. It, it, uh, it reminds me of, as you're talking, my sister had learning disabilities growing up and was labeled that. And um, my mom actually came alongside of her and helped her so much with learning. And they learned that she doesn't read and comprehend as well as um, so she has this learning disability where she, if she hears it and she's got her master's now. Yes, and, she does. I bet. I yeah, love that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, my mom helped her through high school and through college even and through her master's. Like she would in the areas where the system wasn't helping her. And I think, you know, now that you're saying this, I'm like, my mom loved her really well. Yes. You know, so her brain yes. probably had the extra boost that it needed. You know, I'm not discounting that she really does have a learning disability as compared to something like ADD and something more chemical in the brain. But I think where she 
really felt in high school like wasn't as good as others. And I don't think she'd have a problem with me sharing this um, because she's so accomplished and so successful and um, and she loves so well, you know. And, uh, and it's very encouraged. It's an encouraging story to share. It's a testimony. And so mm-hmm. it's a gift to the world that you're sharing it mm-hmm. in that way. And I'm not saying that we can't prove that learning disabilities are real. They are right. just like, yeah. a, the, you know, if a case of the flu is real or a, a cold or an allergy, right. but we can't, it doesn't mean that they're here forever. And it, yeah. and we can, we can teach children how to compensate and that's helpful, but we can also give children the hope that they might not have this disability forever. Right. And that in and of itself opens up possibilities in because the thoughts we think today build the brains we wake up with tomorrow. That's a Caroline Lee truth. Right. Mm. The thoughts we think build the brains we have. And let's build a brain with possibilities, not with limitations. Amen. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to say love as much as I can in this podcast. Um, (laughs) You know, it makes sense to me now why you God's called you to do what you do. So you have this huge passion for, you know, helping children really um, be loved well so that they can learn better. And then when they learn better, they set goals that are different and they accomplish different things that really then starts the cycle over. Then they contribute to the world in a way that is helping other people. Right. And like it just they keeps find feeding. their Yes, they find their voice, they find their passion, and they realize that real um, delight and deep satisfaction doesn't come from performing alone. Mm-hmm. Performance success cultures are fear based cultures. And it doesn't, here's the summary of my research in education is that when we aim at the target of performance, relationships and maturity will always suffer. And it's because it's a fear-based culture. However, when we intentionally support maturity and work to build relationships of trust, performance goes off the chart because it is the way we are designed to live and good fruit happens to healthy uh, people. And so But we don't know as a culture, what does it mean to intentionally support maturity? What do we mean, build relationships of trust? We know how to Mm -hmm. manipulate. We know how to label. (laughs) We know how to judge. We know how to evaluate. We know how to measure up. And so our passion is to teach people, how do we come alongside? How do we help but not enable? How do we equip and, and support in a way that exactly what you just said, Jill, then turns around and happens again because people free people free people right yeah people who have and loved people love people you cannot stop it you cannot stop the chain reaction that happens when people are loved well we often say hurt people hurt people but loved people love people and when children grow up and realize that you wake up excited to go to school in the morning because you know there are relationships there that you can trust. You know it's a safe place to struggle, so it's a safe place to fail, so it's a safe place to learn. And you go to bed at night um, fulfilled because you have been loved well. You have been offered great books. You've been offered real experiences. 
you've been offered worthy work and you know the value of worthy work and of connecting with others. You go to bed fulfilled at the end of the day and you want that life, right. which is very different from a, what I call the perform and pain relief cycle that we often get into. Did you, how did you get made straight A's on your report card? Did you get your homework done? Now you can play your video game. That's a perform pain relief cycle where we're performing and then indulging in, in addictions. We're not contributing. We're not creating. We've lost our voice. Um, and we're not connecting. And so it really is a, we're holding out a welcome mat that says, let's do life differently. There is great hope. And, you know, as you were saying all of that, all of, I, it hit me that everything, single thing you said, it applies to adults. Everything. Like how we perform at work, how we perform at church, how we perform and show up in our families and relationships. If it's all like rooted in this fear-based and we have to obey and be good, then we're not really maturing, you know, as a person, but I'm thinking of how that affects our faith. It does affect our faith because somewhere, because fear is going to offer us our convictions or love will offer us our convictions, our convictions about what is the purpose of life? Who am I? Why am I here? Who are you? What's the truth about you? And what's the truth about God? And if religion offers us those convictions, as opposed to grace and the love of God offering us those convictions, we're going to live in two different worlds. Literally, we're going to live and we're going to have different conversations in fear than we have in love. We're going to have got we're going to gossip and we're going to judge and we're going to evaluate and, or we're going to stay silent. But in a, when we find our voice in love and we have relationships that we can ex express our passions and discover um, our loves and our affections. We just recorded a podcast, um, our own Love is Fearless podcast. We just did an episode on sorting the things you love into the two categories of either affections or addictions. Mm. And which one do you choose when life is not good? Which, <laughs> and which Do you choose your affections or do you choose your addictions when life is not good? Because when you choose your affections, not good resolves itself mm. and it's a beautiful thing and so um you know sometimes you said family and adults and ad adulting is has a bad taste in our mouth these days um we have convinced ourselves that maturity is something that we want to avoid at all cost and and here's what's true any species that fights its own maturity is an endangered species you don't see bears not wanting to grow up you don't right. see wolves not want to grow up. Yeah. And we have convinced ourselves that we don't want to be, um, we don't, we don't want to mature because we don't really understand maturity. We don't understand that um, a child is created to become a young adult. And a young adult is someone who can care for themselves and someone else um, simultaneously. And there's where deep satisfaction comes in. It's not just mm -hmm. someone who can show up for work and pay the bills. It's someone right. who can live in a mutually satisfying relationship. And a parent is someone who can sacrificially care for their family because they know the power of love. Yeah. And what's that, what is that going to do 
um, for their children. It's going to help them grow up to sacrificially care for their family. Right. And an elder is someone who sacrificially cares for their community because that's a reason to get up in the morning. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a reason I get to have impact and influence for good, even though I'm beyond, you know, I'm years past empty nest. Mm -hmm. That gets me out of bed excited in the morning. And, you know, I think about all the people that really want to make a difference in the world. And they've got this big picture. And I believe God gives us big visions, but he gives us big visions with the area that we are already settled in, the area of influence we already have. And that's where the verse says that if we are faithful with little, he will give us more, right? And so that's beautiful. I just think about if we are faithful with our influence and loving the people that are hardest to love in our lives, like let's not really pass a test because that's performance, but like practice. I always say, who's the person that's the biggest challenge in your life to love right now? Practice on them. And God has given us plenty of people. And when we give away what we have, so when I, this is something else I commonly say, but when I receive the love of God and it changes me, that's what I give away. Now that person experienced God in a new way. They can let love work on them and then they're going to give it away. And then slowly, this couple of relationships, this family unit, this church, this city, all of a sudden the whole culture has changed. And then that the whole Im- culture. Yes. But it starts with us choosing to impact the people that we actually could have some influence over. I could go on the streets and preach Jesus and there's nothing wrong with evangelism. But if I really want to love people, do it where I'm at and watch God start multiplying that and spreading that. I love to watch my husband at the checkout um, line at the grocery store because he builds a relationship of trust in 10 seconds or less with every hmm. cashier just by Love connecting it. with them. Yes. And you see their demeanor change. And yeah. and it is it makes checking out at the grocery store so much more satisfying. Right. <laughs> because you have an invitation to change some this moment in someone's life. And you know, for the skeptics who say, well, they're gonna just go back to their old uh, grumpy moody way. Well, maybe they will, but guess what? They have experienced 30 seconds of freedom. Yeah. And once you've tasted it, you know, it's possible. And once you know, it's possible, you can't forget and Mm -hmm. you're willing to risk it again. And so you're exactly right. We start a chain reaction that started in us when we trusted the love of God um, for ourselves. And it is in my darkest season of life that I discovered that God was not evaluating me. He was not judging me. I remember um, the words in a book that I read that there was nothing I could do to make God love me more. And there was nothing I could do to make him love me less. And it, it stunned me. And I had Mm -hmm. grown up in church my whole life, but I had looked at God as a judge and an evaluator instead of as a father who loved me. And it rocked my world and it changed my life. And it set me on this trajectory because once you experience that difference, you don't go back. Yeah, that's so good. Can you share more about your journey of learning about the convictions um, that are fear-based versus love-based? 
Yeah, and I I don't think many of us realize that our convictions are are formed based either in a in the culture that we live in. And so whatever is affecting you, whether it's social media, media, uh, performance obsessed, uh, my mother's mental illness, uh, my mom struggled with uh, significantly and um, attempted suicide many times in my childhood mm. and did in fact um, end her life with suicide about oh. almost eight years ago. I'm and sorry, so I didn't know the, that. Yeah. And the convictions that I grew up with were, if I am just good enough, everybody else will be okay. Mm. Right. And so you see how that conviction comes. And my dad is a Southern Baptist preacher at, or he was when I was a child. And so there was a be good culture that uh, came from, from that message to me as well. And so it was struggle was the S word in my life. Right. And as opposed to to an invitation to connect and grow and experience love. And so I formed a lot of convictions about myself that I better wear a mask and pretend that I'm good enough. I formed the conviction that I was responsible for your um, well-being. Um, and mm -hmm. I was responsible for resolving your um, emotions. And those, I formed convictions that were just not true. Yeah. And and it led to um, it led to two dysfunctional marriages and a lot of chaos in probably three or four decades of my life. And it was in the middle of one of those dark seasons that um, I moved to Fredericksburg, Texas the first time in the middle of not good marriage number two. And I, I was a runner at the time. It was. It was an addiction as well as an affection <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I had access to a thousand acre beautiful ranch kind of in the backyard of Enchanted Rock, which is a beautiful place. And mm -hmm. as I would run and pray and cry um, and just process what was going on in my life, I would occasionally look up and hear God say to me as I'm looking at Enchanted Rock or, um, you know, the, the cliffs of of crab up Creek or the wildflowers in the hill country. I, I would hear him say, Janet, if I can do this, do you think I can do something about what's going on in your life? And I began to see God as creative. And, mm. and I often say, I let God love me first with beauty. And all the while I was working in a private school for the first time ever. And it had a very different philosophy than the public schools that were my background and were beautiful. Um, there was beautiful art and real maps and real wooden frames and real books were um, arranged in beautiful armoires and the children sat at wooden desks and there was no plastic in the room and there was no laminating. And so even though my life was not good by a lot of worldly standards, the beauty that God was gifting me with in the moment, the beauty of the words in the book and the inspirational ideas and the beautiful music that was surrounding me at school and the beautiful art and just the real things was healing my soul before I even knew what I was going to research later on in life. Yeah. Um, and I saw it have a beautiful effect in children's lives too. And I began to form different convictions about myself in that environment, in that culture. I began to form different convictions about what was possible for children. And I began to see God as a God of love. 
because of the environment that I was um, living and working in. And so those environments are um, crucial and critical to uh, offer to ourselves and to our, the next generation today. And we can be intentional about that. That's powerful. You know, I, when I'm listening to you um, talk about this subject, it's like, there's just uh, a peace and a calmness. Um, When you say convictions, it's almost like the whole atmosphere of a room has shifted because you're releasing this deep truth of God and I think we can use the word convictions or beliefs, but our beliefs um, or our convictions and what we believe about God, ourselves and others really shapes not only where we're going in life, but it shapes the impact we make while we're going. Amen. It's almost like in, when you were saying those words, I was I was thinking of a tuning fork, mm-hmm. you know, when it, a, a, a tuning fork. And it's like those truths ring so deep in my soul. And um, some of my research, I was with a friend who was healing from cancer and I went to to see her in California and I met a doctor there who was studying um, the effect of fear um, in in healing from cancer and the effect of love and healing from Mm -hmm. cancer. And this doctor um, had an acronym for the word rest. And I loved what she said. R stands for relational, E, emotional, S, spiritual, T truth. She wow. says at the cellular level, we um, are invited to experience rest when we are, when our relationships, our emotions and our, and our spiritual life is aligned with truth and it happens in our very DNA. And otherwise we are in this ease. Wow. Yes. That's powerful. It, it matters. It does. It, it, it matters that we continue to share these truths. You know, and I think for all the adults listening, there are so many people that are going to want to get your book to learn how to love their children well um, so that they can just be successful in, in everything God wants them to be. But I also think there's going to be so much in this for the adults that they're taking away, you know, for themselves. Um, and one of the the things you just said about rest, um, I want, I've said it in another podcast, but I'm going to say it again. It's God told me once when I was walking with him, he said, and I was struggling because I had so much stuff going on and I was starting my ministry. And he said, Jill, everything good that you will do is going to come from a place of rest. Mm. And yes. I and I I knew it in my head, but I didn't understand. Well, how does that look? Like I've got to produce things and get things done in order to be quote unquote successful. And it I didn't know at the time I was still struggling to perform. Um, you know, maybe not so much for God's favor, I think off and on for sure, but for the favor of man and approval that I was, you know, starting my ministry was approved by man, you know. Um, I do know. <laughs> Yeah, because that was the time I was out on the road doing the freedom thing like you've been doing in your Airstream. Um, And I didn't have approval from everyone. You know, I I didn't have I had a lot of fear stuff coming instead of love coming towards me. And um, and so I just appreciate God, you know, sitting me down. And I think it's the still the biggest thing that he reminds me of. And um, I'm going to be totally vulnerable right now. On my drive here to the studio to do this podcast, I was repenting and saying, God, I didn't spend enough time with you this week. 
Like it's mm. already the end of the week. I have, I, I know I've just been so busy and here's all the things. And I know that you forgive me and I know that you love me. And I know I don't, you know, I don't even have to tell you I'm sorry for you to know that I want more of you and from you. And so I was in the middle of telling him I love him and and I'm repenting all at the same time, right? And we mm-hmm. go through seasons of this where there's just more on your plate than normal. But I was feeling disconnected from him and I didn't want to go into recording podcasts feeling disconnected from him because he's the reason I do the podcasts. Mm-hmm. I want him to be glorified. I want the work he's doing through you to be known. I want the listeners to get everything out of it that, you know, all of our efforts are um, being put together for their sake. And so I say all of that to say this, as I was pulling into the parking lot, the Lord said to me, Jill, when you're hurting, because I had something happen recently, you have an addiction to work. Mm, yes. And it da- and I literally parked my car And this is like two seconds before I called you. And I went, oh my gosh, that's true. When Mm -hmm. I'm hurting, I work. I work more when I'm hurting. Did I have to extra? I had time to go to God. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I did, but I chose to work instead because it fed that addiction and it made me feel better quicker than the pain would have been to bring it to God, maybe cry some and process things. But that is the better choice. That is the better answer um, and solution to what's going on. And so, I, I so hear you. I so hear you. I sometimes say this about myself, that if I have 100 things on my to-do list, mm-hmm. I'll do 103 because I can run on adrenaline. Woo. Yeah. But if yeah. I have five things to do, um, you know, it kind of freaks me out because I don't get <laughs> any of them done. But I mean, I too can work um, as an addiction. And so I still hear you with that. And, mm-hmm. and part of my rest has come in my digging deep into the theology of grace and that I am and, and resting in the truth that I am never disconnected from God. Right. Because I am in Christ and Christ is in me, because I have been crucified and and I have been resurrected to new life, born again, I am never disconnected. I can believe the lie that I'm disconnected. And right? our feelings might say that we feel our, that way. But, and it feels very real, right. but our feelings as real as they are, often deceive us. And so right. to remember that in in all of our addictions, we're right, God's right with us. And he's not yeah. here to condemn us. He's here to love us and to right. heal us and to give us strength and to offer us healing instead of simply pain relief. And yeah. to remind us of who we are so that Jill, you and I can work from a place of fullness and a place of rest. And I laugh about your, um, hmm. I, I think about your story about anything good comes from a place of rest because the hill country of Texas um, has a lot of vineyards. We probably have 30 vineyards within 10 miles of where Mm -hmm. I'm having this conversation with you right now. And our 501c3 is called John 15 Academy. And that is the chapter that talks about abide in the vine. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And, you know, as many times as I've driven by those vineyards and I've seen them in every stage of of growth and fruitfulness, I've never stopped and heard 
a grunting, striving, straining sound as if a vine vine was trying so hard to produce a grape. No, we are created for fruitfulness and it happens in relationship. And our beautiful gift of the love of God is that his love is never ending and it is ours. And we experience it every time we trust the truths of that and knowing it and experiencing it can be very different because when I know it, sometimes I try to earn it or deserve Mm -hmm. it, or I forget that it's just a free gift and I already have it and I get to linger and marinate in it. And then it changes me. So good. And you know, the voice that comes to you, even in correction, like me driving today was out of a place of love. So much love. So like he's saying, I am crazy about you. And I think he's saying this to people that are listening that, you know, I'm sure Janet, you and I are not the only ones who operate out of a fear-based conviction sometimes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That we're not. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But when we, when we discover we're there and the Holy Spirit says, hey, love, hey, love, come back to rest. I love you. I I know you've, you've been kind of taking care of your pain by doing this or doing that, but come back to me and let's work this out together. But hey, like what you said, he's never left us because no. we've operated out of fear. He's there, like what you said, love is more powerful. Like love is chasing us down. Love is yes. the thing that is challenging us and saying, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna engage with you. We're gonna partner together, even in your weakness, even in your fear-based conviction, even in your performance. Um, and I think that's important for listeners to know that. I think it's vital for listeners to know and that Yes, it, it is always the love of God that is with us. Um, we are, we are, he is not asking us to turn in our papers so that he can give us a good grade. Right. You know, he's yeah. just not. And yeah. one of the things that I sometimes share um, often when I speak to educators or when I'm working with homeschool families or something, I use a diagram that I call the two triangles. And and one of the big ideas in my book is about the difference between transactional and transformational relationships. And if I can just describe what those triangles mean, and if you go to john15academy.com, there's um, access to a free webinar where I go into much more detail about this. But I think it's it's can be helpful to to the listeners today because in a fear-based culture, if you were to imagine a triangle with the flat bottom and the point at the top, mm-hmm. we often picture the teacher as the the top of the triangle, right? right? And the student sits at one corner of the bottom and their assignment in math sits at the other corner, right? And the teacher is evaluating the, the child's performance in math. And that is a transactional relationship. It is a place of earning. It is a place of deserving. It is not a safe place for struggle. And when we grow up in that culture where the teacher is the evaluator um, and the handing, the person who hands out the rewards or hands out the bad grades, right? Then we often put God at the top of the triangle too. And we live in a transactional relationship with God where we think we have to do something to get close to him. Yeah, because right? our per, our poor little brains were developed under that model. Yes. So we and think that other, way as adults. We do. We do. And we even use that 
um, mm-hmm. to manipulate other people that we're, mm. and we sit at the top of their triangle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And so a transformational triangle, the child or, or ourselves, we're still in that same corner uh, at the bottom of the triangle, but the teacher is sitting next to us. Mm. And the math assignment is at the top of the triangle. And the teacher's job, the parent's job, is to help the child develop a relationship with math that is truthful and that is successful. And that is a healthy relationship, even an affection for math. And so when we begin, so if you were to not put math at the top of that triangle, but you were to write the word struggle or addiction or Mm. sin, whatever you want to put at the top of that triangle, and we see God sitting beside us as opposed to above us, evaluating us and judging us. But we see him with his arm around us saying, you know, I've seen this coming from before the beginning of time. I got you, kid. We're going to work on this together because in your own strength, this isn't going to work out so good for you. And I'm here for (laughs) you and I'm here with you and I'm here in you. And together there is great hope. There's a transformational relationship. And our children can learn that truth about themselves, about their parents, about their the people that are um, pouring into their lives. And thank you, Jesus. They get to learn that truth about God when we yeah. grow up and create cultures of, of love for them to grow up in that are full of transformational relationships instead of transactional relationships. No, that's so good. Oh man, I I am so glad that you came on the podcast today. It was so perfect timing for me personally because it's all Isn't about me. God like that, but yes. <laughs> um, and thanks for letting me share my vulnerable story. Um, that you know I wasn't planning on that, guys, because it happened on the way here. But it's my uh, it's one of my favorite parts of the whole recording. So thank oh, you for sharing that. <laughs> Yeah, just, you know, confirmation. God will just tell you again. Um, But I've so enjoyed having you on the podcast. And I know the listeners are going to be incredibly blessed by um, the things that God's going to reveal to them through the wisdom he's given you. So um, I want to share where people can find you. So correct me if I'm wrong, but your website, they can go to loveisfearless.com. They can, yes. Or john15academy.com. Yes, and they can find you on social media, which I will put all in the show notes as well. Okay, that would be great. Um, but thank you again for coming on the podcast. And uh, I look forward to keeping in touch, my friend. I do feel like we're going to stay in touch, Jill. And thank you for um, for this initiation of a new friendship. Um, I, yeah. I treasure this connection. Thank you so much for the honor of, of sharing your podcast audience. Thank you. That's awesome. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. First of all, subscribe to the show. That way, the very most recent episode will always be in your feed and ready when you are. And second, if the ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help me continue to reach others, please leave a review. You can click on the link in the description and you can even support the, uh, the show financially as well. So as a reminder, if you're searching for the next thing God has for you or you need a breakthrough in your career, relationship or walk with God and you're ready to go after it, then you may want to invest in yourself and get one of my courses. 
is. I mentioned in the beginning the course Overcoming. We talk about getting free from fear. And so, you know, if you really love this podcast, I think you'd appreciate that course as well. It's audio teaching and a workbook that you can easily download on your computer. Or you can reach out to me for freedom coaching. I meet with people one-on-one and I'd love to meet with you too. You can learn more about courses and coaching by visiting jillmonaco.com. Again, thank you for listening to the podcast today. You can find more from Janet when you go to jillmonaco.com and visit the podcast page. Just click on the show notes to find all the links that we mentioned today. And thanks for tuning in today, my friends. Remember, love well. You are made for it.